It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.07 and 32.7 degrees outside, almost 33, going up into the, what, mid-50s this afternoon? It's going to be really nice outside, my friends. If you have a question about what you should do in your landscape, if you have something just burning on your heart that you need to know how to do it correctly, more successfully, give me a call. 404-872-0750 on Twitter. You can hashtag AskWalter. Just ask anything that's on your heart, and we will do our best to answer it while you wait right here. Mike is in McDonough, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Michael. Good morning. Hey, how you doing, sir? Hey, doing all right, I, uh, Mike. I bought some elderberries a couple of years ago. Yeah. And this was the first year that I got a crop off of it. And as I was researching how to process the fruit, uh, some of the sites were saying, be careful because the, the green ones and the twigs are poisonous. And I believe it because I got a rash all over my arm. Oh, no. Just pick it, picking the thing. Yeah. So my question was, are are they safe? And if they are safe, what's the correct way to prune the bushes? Because they grow like bamboo. Yeah, of course. It's really vigorous. You have elderberry thickets sometimes where they all grow together. You know, the truth of the matter is, Mike, I did not know that any part of elderberry was poisonous. You could be right. If you've done the research already, I'll take your word for it. But I know that when I was in England this past year on a, on a garden trip, at one of the homes that we stopped for an afternoon garden tour, she served us elderberry tea, and it was one of the most delicious teas I've ever had in my life. They took the flowers from the elderberry and to individual clumps about as big as your fist. They would dunk them in a thing of hot water and steep them in the hot water for four or five minutes, I guess, and then pull it out and pour sugar water in there to sweeten it a little bit. It was so perfumed. It was so fragrant, Mike. It was just the best thing in the world to taste, and it was just a day that it just appealed to all of us, the elderberry tea that she made. And I know you can make wine out of the berries. You collect them and mash them and you know, let them ferment. But as far as being poisonous, I had not known that. Well, there you go. There you go. You teach me something new every day, Michael. So you, what can I say? I know the tea. I didn't have any reaction to the tea, and I've talked to people anyway who've made elderberry wine, and they seem to be pretty well <laughs> in their right minds. So uh, if you have the rash, I would say avoid getting the twigs and the, and the other parts of the plant on your skin, Mike, because you might have a rash. It might be poisonous. <laughs> okay. So as you know, as long as I... Just pick the purple ones. I should be okay. As far and, as I know. But I am not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. Do not say that I said it was safe. I said you do the research. You I understand. Follow your own heart. What about the proper way to prune them each year? Ooh, man, down to the ground. That's why I did the one in the corner of my backyard. I'd prune it down to the ground four years probably running before it really, really felt like it was weakened by the, by the pruning process. Um, I, I think it just died back there for whatever reason, probably being pruned down to the ground for four years in a row. Um, if you want it to thicken up and have a few more fruits or flowers on it, then I guess just sort of halfway down, about four feet down, and let it uh, regrow from that. It blooms on new growth, so you want a lot of new growth. Yeah, I mean, it grows about 12 feet a year. Yeah, so, yeah. So I want to let it go another 12 feet. If you got the room, let it go. <laughs> and, a, and a big enough ladder, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's all you got to have. Mike's a big ladder, sure. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Be safe. We'll see you soon, Mike.
we got Blake on the line. Blake is in Canton, Georgia, and here he is on the air with WSB. Good morning, Blake. Good morning. Um, so I have a olive tree that I planted uh, this past summer. Yeah, I want to find you. out. I'm sorry. Uh, good for you. It's a great experiment to try. Good. Yep. <laughs> so my question is: uh, one, do I need another olive tree so it'll produce fruit, or uh, and uh, this past cold blast that we had? What are the chances that it survived? Normally, I'll cover it, and yes. the last couple of times I have covered it, but I didn't get a chance to cover it this last time. Uh, first question first. Uh, no, it does not need any second variety to pollinate. They pollinate themselves pretty well. Uh, second question, though, how tall, how big is it in the ground, Blake? It's uh, over six foot tall right now. And it's been in the ground for a couple of years? No, I just planted it this past summer. Oh. The young ones are probably more cold uh, susceptible than the older ones. When you get an old one, and we don't have that many olive groves in Georgia, you probably know that. You notice that as you drive around yep. Georgia. Uh, but the older ones, when you get into in Greece and, and uh, Rome, Italy, places where they grow a lot of olives, they can take temperatures down below freezing easily, pretty easily. And here, if it's young, only been in the ground for a year or so, I think you need to protect it at least for a year or two. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Good luck with it. Hey, Blake, you know about the uh, olive people down in South Georgia that have the olive groves where they're growing them commercially down there? Uh, I do not. Ah, there. Yeah. Somebody got smart and said we need to diversify our blueberry and other uh, things that are growing now in South Georgia. Blueberries was the first diversification from the cotton and corn folks. And then the blueberry people came in and um, they're diversifying with some olives because you can use some of the same equipment for blueberry culture as you use for olive culture. And right. so I have seen little bottles of Georgia-grown native Georgia olive oil. It's uh, for sale at Callaway Gardens and places like that. And you have a yeah. Little, well, I put uh, two blueberry bad. bushes in as well, and Good. and those uh, we did get some fruit off this uh, this late summer. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping with the freeze that it'll produce a little bit heavier this year. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Hope the freeze does not come while they're blooming, but as long as the freeze and free, as long as cold weather does not freeze the blooms off, then you're you're golden. All right, thanks. Here, Blake. Thanks for calling. We got who's on the line? Twelve minutes past the hour. Betsy in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, Betsy. Good morning. Good morning, Walt. Uh, my question is about uh, Florida sunshine anise. Yeah. Uh, they were slightly damaged in the the hard the freeze and the snow back in December, uh -huh. and I'm wondering if I can cut them back pretty hard. Why do you them. want to do that specifically? Well, I really want them to branch out more to the side, not just straight up. Got it. And I thought by pruning hard, that would encourage that. I think you're right. Is it in sun or shade, or what's the environment around it? Um, partial, partial sun. Perfect. Uh, you've done morning sun, afternoon perfectly shade. right. That's exactly where it wants to grow, and will thrive there, and not look real parched and weird looking in the summertime when it's hot. So I think, yeah, pr sure, prune it back pretty severely. If it's three, four, maybe feet tall now, you could prune it down to two feet pretty quickly and not have any any problems from the pruning, but have a lot of response. There's new growth and okay. make it thicker. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you. All right. This afternoon would be a great time to do it, Betsy. That's what I'm planning to do. <laughs> All right. Good <laughs> luck with it then. Bye-bye. Our number is 404 872 Zero seven fifty four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty to take Betsy's place. Tom out in Alpharetta. Hey Tom, good morning. 
morning. Uh, quick question. I have Italian cypress uh, that got bowed over. Yeah. The snow, but the previous one, and then also emerald vitae. The question is, uh, Italian cypress is really tall, so I'm not able to get up on the house to uh, actually tie those. But should I expect the sunlight to bring those back straight, or am I going to have to pay someone to come out and try to tie those up, like straighten up? It all depends on how many degrees of bend you have in it. If it was 90 degrees right angle not, bend, it ain't going to come back. <laughs> it's going to have that Not, not down to 90 degrees. I'd say probably about 45. And maybe. Um, 45 is doable. It'll have sort of a bend and a, it'll bend and straighten back up again. And so if you really want it to be pretty and tall, the Italian cypress in, in particular is such a pretty plant when it's tall and straight, doesn't have any bends and kinks in it. I think that's one that I might hire somebody to come out and try to straighten it up a little bit. Okay. Um, and on the emerald fighting, just uh, wrap cord or whatever around it. Yeah, myself. I think so. Okay. You, you can reach that. you got a ladder. If it's a real big one, you can get a ladder up in there. But the thing that some of my friends have told me about is the green Velcro tie stuff you can buy from hardware stores and Pike, too. But it's just a, a roll about a quarter of an inch wide, I guess, but it's fuzzy on one side and hooks on the other side. And just roll off a length of that and cut it with a pair of scissors and use that then to pull the limbs together and uh, straighten them up a little bit. And that you can't see the Velcro and the green of the leaves at all. So that's just an easy stuff to use. And a lot of people in the landscape business use the green Velcro. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, sir. Appreciate That's it. Thanks for calling, Tom. Bye-bye. Daryl's in Atlanta, GA, and wants to talk about his spruce tree. Daryl, good morning. <laughs> Good morning. I am. I, mean, I have a pretty vague question, but I'm trying to figure out the name of a tree. Yeah. It looks like a spruce tree, but it looks bluish green or bluish silver instead of green. Got it. Uh, and I just want to get the name of it so that I can buy one to regrow. Look online for pictures of Arizona cypress, Daryl. Arizona cypress. Arizona cypress and. Um, one of the great, boy, your connection is really weird here, Daryl. I'm going to have to turn your volume down, but you can listen to me while I talk. One of my neighbors has an Arizona cypress in that smoky blue, silver, wow, it's a really, really pretty color. And one of the other things that I like about Arizona cypress, if you mash the foliage just a little bit with your hand, just mash it and then smell your fingers. Oh, it smells like lemon pledge. It really smells good. So my guess is uh, Arizona Cypress. There I'll go look on it, look online or go to a nursery and get one and see if that's what you had in mind. But they're gray, they're bluish, they're pretty trees, they're perfectly hardy, grow very nicely here, and that's what I think you probably are talking about. Joe, 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 Joe and Johns Creek joins us. Hey, Joe, good morning. Uh, good morning. How can I help? Uh, you remember several years ago, there was onions growing out of concrete blocks. Oh, yeah. Well, now we have what we call around the farm chitweed. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's practically taken over uh, a four-acre pasture and a lot around the house. When do you put out the pre-emergent on that? Should you put it out now or no, February? It has already emerged. If you see it now, Joe, you can't put no, it No, no, no. We don't see it now. If you're not seeing it now, then it's not chickweed. Well, what is it then? It's a... Mm. It's a ubiquitous thing it covers it was all over the place in this last spring uh chickweed has, has germinated now because i have a little bit in the corner of my lawn uh oh i saw it the other day <laughs> so i know it's up uh you know if you want to identify it, i'll tell you what to do number one you could go to my website and there's a name that plant section on my website where you just take a camera and take three or four pictures and upload them to walterreeves.com name that plant and somebody will hopefully see it and look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's that chickweed. Or they'll say, no, that's lamium. Or no, 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 that's bitter, well, bittercress or something. If it's not up yet, 
What, what should I put out the pre-emergence, say, in February? Or yeah, if it's not germinated yet. But like I say, if it's chickweed, and that's why identification is so important, because yeah. if it is already emerged, if the time for seed germination and emergence has already passed, very likely you won't get much control. And on four acres, ooh, that's going to be a lot of pre-emergence to spread out there and a lot of cost to you. Identify first, Joe. Once you identify it, then we'll talk a little further about what exactly you should use. It's 818. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. A little happy music for a Saturday morning. Rachel Perry just rocking out in the engineering studio. Even Jason's got his top lip sort of tucked in there. A little rocky, rocky, rocky. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Oh, it's going to be pretty today. 57 degrees this afternoon, low of 37 overnight. Tomorrow, sun and clouds today, but sunny tomorrow. Oh, yee, 63 degrees, mid-40s overnight. It's going to be a really pretty weekend. If you have a question about your lawn and garden, this is the place to get it. 404-872-0750. We'll have the full weekend forecast in 10 minutes. Tom's in Covington and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Thomas, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's up? Uh, so my question is, uh, I'm kind of wondering about the uh, the types of bushes that you can trim into shapes of, like, animals and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, what the best type is and when the best time to plant them would be. Ooh, any of the hollies, the small-leafed hollies will usually look better. So any small-leaf Japanese hollies, what they're just generically called. Boxwoods okay. can be pruned into, into topiary forms. If you really... You want to see something weird, Tom? I will tell you where to go. Okay. Go online. Go to Google and type in the words Pearl Fryer. F-R-Y-A-R. F-R-Y-A-R. Fryer. Pearl is his first name. Fryer is his last name. And look okay. at the pruning that Pearl Fryer has done. It is one of the most astounding topiary gardens. and It's just over the line in South Carolina. Easy to get to from Atlanta. It'll blow your socks off to see what Pearl has pruned. Leland, Cypress, every other plant he could think of into fish, into letters, into weird, fantastic geometric shapes. He is great. So, Well, I appreciate it. All right. Pearl Fryer, F-R-Y-A-R. And I believe his website is pearlfryer.com or maybe pearlfryergardens.com. But either way, Pearl is somebody that you just really can't believe that he has done as well as he has. He was just a sort of an untrained gardener. He liked to garden, liked to grow things, and decided he liked to prune things in his yard, in his side yard. And there's another side yard that he got to for his neighbors. And then the one down the street, he did that one too. Pretty soon the whole neighborhood was pruned into fantastic shapes. Pearl, P-E-A-R-L, Fryer, F-R-Y-A-R. You'll thank me. It's 828 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 835 and coincidentally, coincidentally 35 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape. 
the next half hour, Robert in Loganville will talk about the Beatles that are killing his pine trees. David wants to know how to kill moss and start a new lawn. Jan in Milledgeville has an amaryllis bulb she needs to know what to do with. Martha says this is sanguine, needs to be cut back, needs some advice on that. But first, my method of staying successful in the garden is to hang out with people who know a lot about gardening, and that would be my friend Mickey Gasaway from Pike Nursery. Good morning, Mickey. Good morning, Walter. How are you? And th today particularly, I know you're doing the last of your birding classes, right? <laughs> yes, yes. It's at Lindbergh this morning at 10. And we're excited because everybody knows what a passionate birder oh, yes, I am. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I know you have a bird, them. Bubba the bird, at your house in the oh, bathroom. Yeah. Um, bird. Oh, yeah. We also have Sunny and Cher. Oh, I didn't They're know the that. little ones. <laughs> There's oh, well. more things I find out about your personal life sometimes. I just didn't know what to think. You know, you've never seen the lizards. You, you need to. See I them. know, haven't but, seen the lizards either. There, no, but no, we need to. We need to make make the point that today and only today, that all the birding su supplies at Pike are twenty percent off. This is a great deal. Oh yeah, it is. It's uh, we've got a, it, we've got so many good bird seeds and bird feeders. Uh, I just hope everybody will come out and, and take advantage of it because I don't know about your birds, but mine are absolutely eating us out of house and home. It's crazy to watch. I, of course, sit in my sunroom and watch them all day long. And oh, yeah. the brown thrasher is the one that fascinates me. This is a bird who should not really, I don't think, eat suet. I never thought of it as being a suet-eating bird. But the brown thrasher, who can't even cling to the side of my suet feeder, roosts on top of it and drives the other birds away. And I want to go out and shoo him away. Say, hey, there's other little titmice <laughs> and little hairy woodpeckers and things. They can get to the suet if you can't. But nonetheless, he's the mean well, I think most. Boss. I think most of them will eat suet in the wintertime, just like a lot of them will eat berries yeah, in the wintertime that won't eat it in the summertime. Um, we, it was so funny. Yesterday when we were setting up for our bird uh, class, we had a little ruby crown kinglet in the store. Really? And one of the cashiers, it, it was just sitting there. I guess it was cold as she picked <laughs> it up. And we walked outside and it flew on my head. It was so funny. And I've got that? a picture of the bird kinglet sitting on my head. But um, they're just really hungry this time of year. They need, they need the food. They need water. Water's so yeah. important for them when it's frozen. Food for energy, water, because every every living thing needs water. And today you'll be at the Lindbergh store. Now, when does the class start, Mickey? Class starts at 10 o'clock. So that's easy for the folks in the apartments and condos around Lindbergh. You just walk down. Pike Nursery is a great, right. convenient location right there at Lindbergh. Just walk over yeah. and uh, join Mickey at 10 o'clock after you had your morning coffee and croissant. And yeah, and most everybody has a place, whether you're in an apartment or not. You still Most places have got... You know, a place that you can feed the sure. birds. If so. you've got a window that you can hang a little cedar outside, or some of the self-adhesive yeah. feeders you can put on the window glass itself and stick to the window glass. Sometimes even bird nest boxes you can put on the window glass, see the bird right outside your bathroom window. That's right. But it's fun. fun. It really and also, is Lucy, I got I a little... everybody will encourage their children to go out and look at the birds, too, and learn the names of the birds. That's so important. I heard a little bird told me, ah, ah, a little bird told me that you also have pansies <laughs> and violas on sale for 97 cents today and tomorrow at all Pike locations. That's right. That's right, at all the Pikes. So 
kind of freshen up those pots that get get a little bit down now yeah. and um, put some fresh ones in them and they'll be pretty. I know you've noticed. I think it's going to warm up next week. You've noticed I like I have that a lot of the pansies are wilted down, but they recover real rapidly after snow oh, has yeah. fallen on them. They wilt, but then they recover, boom, right up again. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's dry and they're sort of weak to begin with. They might go ahead and kick the bucket. But then if you got them for 97 cents for a nice big pot of pansies, you just put those in the places where the ones that died have been, and then you got a nice-looking landscape once again. That's exactly right. And next week, like you say, the temperature is the lows. Next week, somewhere in the 40s, is that right? Am I reading the weather I th- report right? I think so. It's going to be in the high 60s. I can't wait. I'm so Ooh, excited. Boy, it's going to be so nice to be outside. My um, uh, yeah. paper bush, my uh, Edgeworthia, has started. The little buds started open. I got real close to it yesterday. I smelled it. Could mm, you smell it? I could. Oh, yes, I could. Yeah. <laughs> the warm sun yesterday afternoon. So I'm really excited that about beautiful. that. We've got some. We've got some Edgeworthias here. If you yeah. don't have one of those, that's something you, everybody needs in the winter. What a great landscape. one of those plants that gives a hundred percent for every month of the year. There's something going on with a chrysant with a Edgeworthia, which is Edgeworthia chrysantha. Yeah. That's the name of it, or paper bush. Some people call it. I love chrysantha. I love the paper bush. I love uh, the daphnies. Daphnies are getting ready to poke open. Oh yeah, thing, so it's almost mine are beginning to open a little bit, not much. Yeah. But they're beginning to open. A little bit. Love them. Spring's going to be here before we know it, Mickey. I know it. It's going to be here. I'm sure of it. So today, join Mickey Gasway Lindbergh store. This is right there on uh, Piedmont, there at uh, Lindbergh Station. It starts at 10 o'clock. Birding basics, all you need to know, and get 20% off on everything that you buy for birds at all Pike Nursery locations. And at all Pike Nursery. Violas, right. pansies, 97 cents a pot. Great deal on them as well. Put them in places that need a little color during the winter time too. Oh Lord, Mickey. So I need to let you go and get prepared for your class. But if I wanted to find out where all the Pike Nursery locations are and where you get 20% off on the birding supplies today only, where would I go? PikeNursery.com. There you go. I knew that was the answer. I, it was on the tip of my tongue. I knew that you'd know where to get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mickey, it's wonderful talking to you. I'll see you next Saturday. You too. Have a great day. PikeNursery.com for all information about Pike Nursery and all their locations, as well as their new location. The new location. Did you know this? You didn't know this. There's going to be a new location in Milton. Um, Bethany Church Road, I think is the name of it, but it hasn't opened yet, but it will be hopefully in the spring opened up for a new Pike Nursery location in north, uh, northwest Atlanta. Robert is in Loganville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, first time caller, love your show. Oh man, it's easy to call. Just dial the numbers on the phone. There you are, talking to you. Got through the first time, but yeah. anyway, I have a question. I live on five acres with another five acres next to me. It's all pine trees. Yeah. And pine beetles have moved in, and they're killing my trees at an incredible rate. I think mm. I lost four since I've been on the phone with you. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> so. Uh, is this cold weather going to kill them, or do uh, do I need to move? Fortunately, yeah, it will some not. Everyone, unfortunately, but some will die due to cold weather. The beetles are shallowly in the tree. They're only about an inch deep underneath the bark of the tree, and so the cold weather can freeze them. Some will survive, some will not. But you can't depend on cold weather to control them completely unless it got down to zero. Then we might see some some good effects of cold weather killing the pine beetles. And, you know, bottom line, I know, Rob, what your question is, what do I do about it? And honestly, the best thing you can do for a pine tree is simply to keep it watered in the summer. That is what causes stress on the tree to attract pine beetles. They give out a a chemical that makes pine beetles say, whoa, that one is stressed over there. Let's go boring it for a while. 
And so if you keep them water, they don't exude that chemical, and it also helps them to drown the beetles under the bark with sap. So the best thing you can do, there's no pesticide that will reach them or kill them or do anything for them. You simply keep them watered in the summer. Yeah, that's a little hard to do, though. Yeah. I mean, it's woods. It's it's 10 acres worth of woods, but it's becoming about yeah. six acres now. <laughs> Pray for a nice wet summer, and the ones that are closest to the house that would look Weird if they died, then keep them watered. If they, if you can reach a hose out to them. Okay. Okay. But no, well, thank you very much. No insecticide. Sad to say, there's not an insecticide in the world that'll get deep enough to kill those beetles. Okay. All right. All right. Thank well, you. Call again sometime. You know how easy it is now. You can call again and we can talk again. David is in Marietta, Georgia, and joins us at Lawn and Garden. David, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Um, I have had fescue grass for about 15 years with no moss problem. Yeah. Um, this year I'd like to till up the entire yard and augment the soil for better drainage. Mm-hmm. And the I've had the soil tested at the um, Extension. pH, and yeah. that's okay. Okay, good. So I'm wondering if my problem is the uh, it's staying damp. So my question is, if I till the moss into the dirt, will that act like a seed and come back? Or by tilling it and augmenting it, will that kill the moss that's on top of the ground now? Or do I need to do something special before I till? My long-term listeners are going to know exactly my first question to you. My first question always, David, for fescue that's thinning out and moss growing in it. How much sunshine does it get in that area? Well, it probably gets a minimum of four hours a day. And a maximum of how many? Mm, Probably eight. Mm, Not bad. If you've got between four and eight, you have at least a pretty good chance of getting fescue to grow in the sunniest areas. Maybe not so much in the the four-hour sunshine areas because it's a little shady there for fescue to grow and thrive. But the, the question, the answer to your question about will moss reproduce, we starting from, so it's like starting the moss from seed, not really, because moss grows where it has an environment that's conducive for moss to grow, and grass grows where it, grass likes to grow. Grass and fescue in this case likes to grow in areas that have at least six hours usually of sunshine during the day, and moss likes to be in places that hit four or less hours per day. Uh-huh. And heavy soil that's not well-drained, you're going to till yours up, so you're going to fix that. Um, clay, a lot of clay in the soil makes moss happy as well, and you're going to add some amendment to get the drainage uh, working pretty well. So I think that what you're going to do is right. Given enough sunshine, the fescue ought to come back and thrive for you. But, you know, like I said, for the last 15 years, everything was fine, so I'm just surprised. Um, yeah, but the trees got bigger, you got more shade, you, the soil got uh, compacted, you didn't, you know, tilling and starting off from, from scratch is probably the best thing you could do for your fescue. And what kind of amendment would you recommend, and how much? Hmm, there are various soil conditioners, soil that you're probably going to, if this is a quarter acre, half acre, maybe uh, lawn, then you're going to need more than a couple of bags. You're going to need a, maybe a half a truckload or a full truckload, depending. Over in Marietta, you've got Earth Food over there. Do you know E-R-T-H-F-O-O-D, Earth Food? No, I never heard of them. Call, Google the words Earth Food, E-R-T-H, Earth Food, and talk to the green folks and see what they have to offer for soil amendments. 
and about how much per, I don't know. Let them help you calculate. It's about okay. a layer, about an inch thick on top of everything, tilled in six inches deep. Gotcha, six inches deep. Yep. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. Thanks for calling, David. Bye-bye. It's 847 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be so pretty today. 57 degrees, mix of sun and clouds during the day. Overnight low 37. Tomorrow, pretty sunny on Sunday. Totally sunny for some people say. 63 degrees the afternoon tomorrow and lower than the mid-40s. Sunday night, your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. My friend Clint Walls, Dr. Clint Walls, is driving through Atlanta right now, texting me something a minute ago. But I know one thing that he is so proud of is to support the University of Georgia, or university, or I guess I should say the state legislators supporting the University of Georgia and the turf uh, program they have there. They put together three new fabulous-looking turf facilities, one in Athens, one in Griffin, and one in Tifton, I believe, in this past year, and they are great. And one of the things that the legislators figured out and found out real quickly is that the turf program in Georgia brings in a lot of money in royalties to the University of Georgia. That's how the university earns money sometimes, is by the patented varieties of grass that the turf researchers have found and have patented. And so Clint has a new greenhouse, and the other people in Athens and Tifton have new facilities to work on their tiff breed their turf breeding programs up there. And I'm really pleased that the legislators have supported that turf program here in Georgia. Jan is in Milledgeville, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jan, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Jan. How can I help? Um, we have some pretty amaryllis bulbs that are now blooming that I got at Christmas time. Awesome. Yeah. Can they be put, when they're done blooming, can they be put into the ground, or are they basically an indoor plant? Not immediately, but eventually, yes. The answer is, if they're finished blooming, go ahead and cut the uh, stalks that have the flowers on, the little round stalks that the big flowers are on. You can cut okay. those off down close to the soil surface. But the plant itself needs to be indoors from now until, mm, let's say, early May, when the soil is warmed up nicely in early May. And mm -hmm. in a sunny bed that drains very well. It can't be a solid clay, places with water stands or anything like that, because it'll rot the bulbs pretty quickly. But in a sunny, sandy, full, you know, loamy kind of soil area, you put the amaryllis out there, they will keep the leaves on it, and then they'll have some more leaves during the summertime. And next fall, many times, if you'll put a piece of plastic or an old gallon pot or something on top of the bulb and then put some pine straw on top to insulate it, they'll come through the winter just fine. Come March or April, knock the pot off, take the pine straw off, the leaves will come out, and it'll bloom in May or June, which is when they're normally supposed to bloom. Okay, so they will bloom in the summertime outside yeah. then. Yeah, they're forced to bloom in wintertime by the process they go through in the in the bulb industry of, of getting prepared to, blo to bloom in the wintertime. But if you leave them outside in a sunny place, like I say, many times they will bloom in May, June usually is the time I see mine blooming. 
and, and then when it comes to be winter, they'll just die back and just kind of put something over them to protect them. Again, exactly. You put something over the top, plastic pot or something, and plants are over that. As long as they're dry and not wet during this wintertime, they should do fine. If it gets down to 5 or 10, all bets are off. But if the normal winter in Georgia it gets down to 20, maybe one or two times, then you're fine. So you, so you have grown them in your yard oh, now? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got okay. some from the yard. They're inside right now. They're about to bloom in my house. I'm forcing to bloom for Groundhog Day, I guess. <laughs> I brought mine in late. <laughs> they, they are very beautiful. I love them. Yeah, sure. Great, huge flowers. Fabulous plant. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for calling, Jan. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750, the number for the Home Fix-It Show. Dave Baker is out with Clark Howard this morning at a Habitat for Humanity build. You'll hear more about that during the show. It starts at 9 o'clock this morning. If you didn't get your question answered this morning, of course, go to my website at walterreeves.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I put interesting information there on Facebook as well during the week. And uh, also, you should follow Ashley Frasca on Twitter, Ashley Frasca WSB. She gets the greatest traffic reports during the day, during the morning, while your commute is going on, that you'll ever see. Jason Byers brings us the happy music every Saturday morning. We appreciate that as well. You can subscribe to my newsletter, by the way, on my website. The email newsletter comes out every other Thursday. So, that's the Saturday morning for us. If you did not have, didn't hear earlier, your pansies are going to be fine. Even though they got cold this past week, don't worry about that. And I'll see you next Saturday morning for another edition of Lawn and Garden.